God is just so good. It's so perfect timing for where he has us in his word, and it's so perfect timing for where he has me. I ask you to take your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, if you're using that pew Bible that's there in front of you, you can go to page 66. When you get to Exodus chapter 6, just be, uh, hold your finger there on verse 1, and we will get there in just a few minutes. Exodus chapter 6, we'll stand and read a piece of that here in just a moment. Well, I'd like to start with two of my least favorite words in the whole world, kidney stones. I have Googled a lot about kidney stones in the last few weeks. Now, you have prayed for me as I have gone through this process and this procedure and surgery and the recovery, and you have continued to be faithful to pray and to ask how I am doing. You know, many people have said they have assumed that my kidney stone issue came from my Dunkin' Donuts habit. Many of you have said that my kidney stones have come from my Mountain Dew passion. Maybe. <laughs> but maybe not. You see, I told you I've done a lot of Googling about kidney stones. You know, kidney stones can come from not drinking enough water and being dehydrated. And as, as a runner, I run that risk all the time of sweating a lot but not drinking enough. Kidney stones could be a family tradition, right? Sometimes families just have them. They could come from a diet high in protein, high in sodium, or high in sugar. They could be a byproduct, kidney stones could, from kidney disease. They could come from conditions that cause high levels of cysteine, oxalate, uric acid, or calcium in your system. It could also come from the fact that I live in Bedford County, Tennessee, and I drink a lot of the water here. Many of you have had kidney stones. I hope you're past them, and I hope you never get it again. All I know is I do not want another one. And if I knew what caused my kidney stone, I would likely adjust my life in whatever ways necessary in order to never have another one again. Now, I actually have a follow-up appointment on Tuesday this week, and I am hopeful that when they completed that surgery that they kept the kidney stones and they've sent them off to analyze them so that I will get some results and some answers as to why and what caused them. They'll provide more insight to me. But I don't like kidney stones. And if you've had them before, you don't like kidney stones. And I wouldn't wish them on anybody. I'm asking you to stand with me. With that as our backdrop this morning, I ask you to stand with me as we read from Exodus chapter 6. We're going to read the first eight verses of Exodus chapter 6. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his hand, out of this land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. 
Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. And I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to be walking back through this over the next little bit and then reading a few other places in scripture. If you see in verse one, it says, then the Lord. Now we had Easter last week. You know, we've been preaching through the book of Exodus and we had made it up through chapter five and then Easter came and we took a one week break from Easter to talk about the resurrection story last week. And we had a great Easter together. In chapter 5, where we left off, Moses and Aaron had gone to Pharaoh at God's instructions and said those famous words, let my people go. Now, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago is that Pharaoh rejected Moses, rejected God, rejected their request, and made life harder on Israel. Israel then turns the people and complains to, God, to Moses and blame him for the increased workload and the difficulty of life. Moses turns to God. Now, if you've got your scripture open, let's see what Moses said. So we're at the end of chapter 5, so you should be able just to look up on your page or turn back one, but let me read verses 22 and 23 of Exodus chapter 5. So we set the, the, the tone for where we're going. So Moses, after being complained and blamed by the people, said in chapter 5, verse 22, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, neither have you delivered your people at all. Did you see what Moses said? He's turned to God through this trouble, and he said, why have you done this? Why have you brought trouble on the people? Why have you even sent me, Father? Why have you not delivered the people as you said? Moses, as we can see by his phrasing as he turns to God, is struggling, and he rants, and he turns to God, and he just casts it all at the feet of God, and he questions, and he complains, and that's where we pick up, then the Lord. Now, back to kidney stones for just a minute. I think Angela put it well. She said, for five days, we didn't rest we didn't sleep, we didn't eat, little relief from pain. Now, if you've been through this, you know that once the pain gets up on you, there's no knocking it down. I would walk, I would sit, I would twist, I would turn, I would lay on the ground. In the middle of the night, I was walking up and down my street just trying to find anything I could do to gain some sense of relief from the pain. And I would pray, and I would pray, and I would pray. And church, can I tell you that all I wanted in that moment was, Lord, make this go away. Jack, this song of the month, I just wrote down, during the song of the month, I wrote down this script. I hadn't heard that song yet. Remember this line that says, it says, when the storms come, I will remain steadfast. And you as a church know, back in that time, I was still doing the daily videos, and I tried every single day to put a video out. 
And as Angela would tell you, I have found out many of you were going, he's crazy for putting these videos out. You can tell he doesn't look good, feel good. And Angela said, well, let me tell you, those were the best moments of every day he had during that time. And I wanted to be steadfast and I wanted to be faithful through all of this. But church, let me tell you, as we unfold the scripture, I wasn't. I struggled and I ranted to God. So we get to verse one and it says, then the Lord said to Moses, now church, here's where I'm reading scripture and I go, here it comes. You just don't turn and rant on God. You don't question God. That's how we've been raised, right? We don't question God. God is good. And so I figure that when God says, then the Lord said that God is getting ready to unload on Moses. Here's what I wrote. When I get in my own mind of Jeff, you know how we like to think that God thinks like we do? He doesn't. That's what we're going to learn today. But here's what I think God could have said to Moses. He says, who do you think you are? You sorry, good-for-nothing, runaway, murdering shepherd, you're questioning me? What was I thinking in placing my plans in someone as weak and fragile and as complaining as you? But that's not what the Lord does, amen? God speaks to Moses, but he doesn't do so harshly or in anger. He speaks to Moses, and we're going to talk for the next few minutes about five things he said to Moses, seeking to encourage Moses because he loves Moses. We can learn a lot about God from how he handles Moses in this time. Because let me just ask you, have you ever ranted to God? Have you ever questioned God? Have you ever said, God, where are you? God encourages Moses by saying five things. So let's look at those five things for just a few minutes. Look at verse one. Verse one, the first thing God says is, now you will see what I will do. God reminds Moses, this is my plan. I made this covenant. I will bring about all that I have planned all these years. Isaiah chapter 46, you might want to write that down as a note. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 11. I'm just going to read it to you. Isaiah 46, verses 9 to 11. Here's what it says. Remember the former things of old. Now, before I read this, have you ever listened to someone who talks and they're all about ah, 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 ah? It gets hard, right? Well, I just drew your attention to it because I want you to see how in these verses, God is all about ah, ah, ah. Think about this for a second. Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 11, it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things are, that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure calling a bird to pray from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will do it. God has always known it was him who would make the delivering of Israel come to pass. Think about it this way. 
If Pharaoh had immediately let the people go, the Israelites might have attributed their deliverance from Egypt to Pharaoh's kind-heartedness. Or maybe they would have attributed it to Moses' um, eloquent speaking. Instead, God has a plan to cause Israel to understand him, to know him, to develop a relationship with him and only him so that they will look back one day and go, it was God who delivered us and only God who delivered us. And only God could write the story that is unfolding in the book of Exodus. So when God says the statement, now you will see what I will do, you know what I hear God saying to us? You must depend upon me. God says, you must depend upon me. Now remember, that's the first thing God said to Moses after Moses had pretty much just turned on God and ranted on him. You must depend upon me. I told you God said five things to Moses. That was number one. Now let's look at verses two to four. Let me give you a summary of what God says. He says, I am the Lord. In those verses, we read that he is providing to Moses a deeper revelation of himself. That scripture says that to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I was almighty creator God. Now, about two and a half years ago on Wednesday nights, we did a study on the names of God. I know that some of our Sunday school classes went through uh, the names of God in their material. And Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they got to know Almighty God or Creator God or what would have been the word Elohim. But when Moses got to meet God at the burning bush, he introduced himself as I am that I am, which means Lord, which means Yahweh, which means Jehovah. And Jehovah Every time God gives a name in Scripture, church, when you're reading Scripture and God is given a name, God is revealing to you a characteristic of who he is. And to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is saying, I am creator God, I am all-powerful. And to Moses, he says, I am Lord, I am Jehovah. I'm in a relationship with you. Jehovah is the relational characteristic of God. Jehovah is used 6,519 times in the Bible. It is God's most used name. The initial translation was Yahweh, but in English it's translated Jehovah. Now here's where you'll see it. Have you ever noticed this in your Bible? And you might be able to notice it here. When you see, like look at verse 1 in chapter 6. I just want to point it out to you. Then the Lord. You see that that's Lord, but it's all uppercase Lord. It's little capitals. You see that? I know if you're using the Bible in the pew, it says that. It might in yours, but anytime you see the word capital, L-O-R-D, in little capitals, or capital, G-O-D, in little capitals, that is Jehovah. Now you'll begin to see, and you'll go, there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another. Have you, anybody ever noticed that every now and then you're going, oh, they made a misprint. They forgot to make those little letters. They made them all capitals. Nope, that's that's intentional. That's Jehovah God. Jehovah is his personal name. It's the part of God that desires to interact with his people. 
Jehovah is the God who personally reveals himself to us. And the funny thing is, is when you read scripture and you follow what God does when he reveals this, God so many times reveals himself to us through struggles and challenges. Malachi chapter three, verse six says, for I, the Lord, Jehovah, do not change. Jehovah is the one who has plans for us. If you go to Jeremiah 29, 11, and God says, I know the plans I have for you, that's Jehovah God. He has plans for you. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Jehovah is the one who is promised in Romans 8, 28 to work all things out for our good. Now, as Moses is finding out, and as Jeff is finding out, Jehovah is not always what we want him to be. You see, Scripture says he is who he is. His ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. So many times when we try to allow, try to shape who Jehovah God is, we don't get what we want. We don't get to define him or expect or tell him what to expect. Church, we must let Jehovah God reveal himself to us, define himself to us as he chooses. And I'll tell you, as Moses would probably echo if he were here today, Jehovah does not always make sense. God will often allow us to be in a situation with no possible solution. Do you know they gave me opioids? Now, I stand in this age generation in between where I don't want the pain, but I certainly don't want to take a drug that could get a hold of me. And I put them aside. And then it got so bad that I said, where are they? And do you know what? I took them and they did nothing. Do you know that when I got to the hospital, they gave me morphine? It did nothing. You know what God is saying? Is you don't understand me. And I'm trying to help you know me through these situations. And when he says, I am the Lord, you know what Moses is, should be hearing from God? This relational Jehovah God is, I am with you. I am with you. Number one, Moses, you must depend upon me. Number two, Moses, I am with you. Look at verses five through eight. We think about this Third thing that God said to Moses, and it says, I take you as my people. Now, if we were to walk back through these verses, I've done this for us. Let me tell you some of the words that we've heard. I have heard, God says, I have remembered. Now, let me tell you, God didn't forget. God says, I've always known. I will bring you out. I will rescue you. I will redeem you. And God says, I will do all of this with my outstretched arm. God is actively aware and actively knows what he's doing. Do you know God is teaching them? He says, I'm not setting you free so that you can spend your days in charge of yourself. He was setting them free to be in relationship with him. He would be their God. They would be his people in the land he prepared for them. God is saying, I've not forgotten. I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. You know what God is saying to Moses in this moment? 
Everything's okay, Moses. Now, have you ever been out there a little bit and you just need somebody to look at you and say, Moses, or whatever your name is, it's okay. Have you ever been calmed by somebody that can look at you and say, it's okay? That's what God is saying to Moses in these verses. Moses, everything is okay. Now, have you ever noticed when your children, and I'm, I'm going to see this in my grandchildren. Now, as, as parents, we learn this, right? Our kids are little, and they're running, and they're playing, and then they fall down. Do you know what happens if we, as parents, run at them like they've just really created a big problem, and we start panicking and crying? You know what's going to happen to them? They're going to go crazy bad. How many of you, as parents, your kid has fallen, and it takes all you can do, but you go, let's see how they act. And you look at them, you go, it's okay. You try to reassure them. We know this feeling. And God gives it to Moses. And he says, Moses, everything is okay. Now, if you still have your scriptures open, let me read verses 9 to 13. Because we've said three things that God said to Moses so far. 9 to 13 says this. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. But they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of this land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and he gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. You know what God says to Moses right here? Go back to Pharaoh, go back to the people. God gave Moses and Aaron the commands and the words that they are to take back into the battle. Moses was still reluctant, hesitant. You know, that's what happens. When failure comes, it can cause us to back up. Have you ever allowed failure to create fear, hesitancy, for you to feel like maybe I'm no longer the one and I need to step aside? Isaiah 41.10. Let me give you some verses to encourage you as God is encouraging Moses. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know what God is saying to Moses when Moses says, I can't do this? You know what God is saying? He says, you're right, but I can. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, As his divine power has been, able, has, give, has been given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory, by his glory and virtue. You know what God is saying in that? He says, I've given you everything you need through the Spirit and through the Word of God to do everything I've called you to do. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Moses feels pressure and fears failure, but God doesn't see it that way. By calling Moses in this moment, by telling him this fourth thing, go back to Pharaoh, go back to the people, you know what God is saying? Moses, get back in the game. 
You see, we let our fears and our failures put us on the bench of life. We think that we have walked away from God being able to use us. And God says, no, 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 you haven't. I'm working in this. I'm working in you in this. I'm working through you in this. And I have a plan in this. God says, you must depend upon me, number one. I am with you, number two. Everything is okay, Moses, number three. And number four, Moses, get back in there. Get back in there, Moses. Do what you're supposed to do. Now, the fifth thing, I want to summarize for you, but if you were to keep reading, and I pray that you will go and read this, in Exodus chapter 6, verses 14 to 25, we see this section that if we're not careful, we'll miss something on. It's the genealogy, and it's an incomplete genealogy. It starts with Reuben, which is Jacob's first son, and then it goes to Simeon, Jacob's second son, and then it goes to Levi, his third son. And when you read about it, it is all about the genealogy of Aaron and Moses. Now, if you've got your scripture open, let me just read verses 26 and 27 of this genealogy, chapter 6. It says, these, he's already mentioned Aaron and Moses once, if you were read up to this point. These are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. Did you see that? Three times God is speaking to them. Now, it's interesting. Think about this. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He hasn't written them yet. He's living them right now, and there's going to come a time. So we need to understand that everything that God is saying to Moses, he is probably hearing God say to him in that moment. And he's saying to Moses, he says, let me tell you about the genealogy of your grandfather, of your great-grandfather. Let me tell you about your father. Let me tell you about how I've seen it all come to pass. Let me tell you how it's you, this Moses, and you, this Aaron, that I have planned for this task. Let me tell you, you have the genealogy credit, you know, because in Israel, it matters about your family tree. And God has brought them all the way through, Abraham all the way through, and he recounts that to them. You see, sometimes you need the validation to know who you are. And God is telling Moses and Aaron, he says, you are the exact Moses that I planned to be right here. It's you. It's you that's doing this. This has always been my plan. You have the right family credentials for the work that I have assigned to you. You are the Moses and the Aaron I plan to work through. All throughout time, you were the ones. You have the genealogy. You have my blessing. You have my power. And the people will see this. Now, I want to jump over. I want to read a different set of Scripture to you. You don't have to go there. I've got it right here, but write this in your notes. Jeremiah chapter 1, picking up in verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 1, picking up in verse 4. He's talking to, God is talking to Jeremiah, but he could be talking to Moses right here. Think about this. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am but a youth. But the Lord said to me, 
Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. God is reminding Moses, he said, you are the Moses that I have always planned on delivering these people through. God spoke to Moses just like that. And you know what God is saying? He says, you must depend upon me. Number two, I am with you. Number three, everything is okay. Moses, number four, get back in the game. You know what God is saying right here? Moses, you're ready for this. You are ready for what I have called you to do, for what I am enabling to do. You are ready for this. This is how God responds to Moses. During my kidney stone ordeal, I've shared with you, I felt great pain. Pain greater than I have ever felt. And I never cried due to the pain. And I had a goal as I was going through this to try to be sweet to my family. Because this was not easy on them either. If you see somebody hurting, it hurts you. But church, I told you that I never cried because of the pain. I don't know that my family even knows this, but I did cry. Nearing the end, once the surgery was complete, once the days began to improve, do you know I realized that bad feels really, really good when you have felt horrible. And those days, they started getting better and getting better. But I cried. For a couple of days, it was on me pretty heavy. I cried out of one simple fact. I cried out of shame. I had allowed my pain to cause me to question God. I can remember in the middle of the night walking up and down the street. I can remember in the middle of the night laying on the floor. I can remember in the middle of the night bouncing on one of those big green yoga balls. You'll do anything. And I'm going, God, please take this away. God, please take this away. And I knew when the pain would start, I was in for a five or six hour run where nothing was going to help. And I got to the point where I wouldn't move thinking that I might trigger something. And then after I started to come through it, you see, in those dark nights, I said, God, why are you not helping me? God, why are you not taking this away? God, where are you? And I felt such shame that I had wanted to be strong through the storm. But there were times in that storm that I failed so miserably. And I realized I was wrong. I realized how faithful God had been 
every step of the way. But I still battled with this because I would say to myself, how could I possibly lead and be the man and the father and the husband and the pastor that I need to be that when I go through this difficult challenge, I wasn't all the way faithful. And then I heard God say, you must depend upon me. And I heard God say, I am with you. And I heard God say, everything's okay. And I heard God say, get back in the game. And I heard God say, you are ready for this. You see, I'm still uncertain as to what medically or physically may have caused my kidney stones. But let me let you into the mind of Jeff and what I believe. I know where they came from. I know what caused them. I believe fully that God allowed me to go through these circumstances so that he could teach me more about him. Now, he taught me a lot about me. And church, there's a lot of me that God still needs to work in and to work through and to make what he needs to be. And I have come through this with a sense of compassion for others, for you, for those that I will meet one day. Well, God will use what I've gone through to help me minister to them. But God has taught me so much about his faithfulness. And you know, when you realize that you just aren't there yet, one of two things happens in your life. You either walk away and quit and say there is no God, or you realize that God has been there all along, and he says, you must depend upon me. I'm with you. Everything is okay. Get back in the game. You're ready for this. So let me ask you this question. What about you? What about you? Do you ever struggle? Now, I hope and pray that I am the only person under the sound of my voice or online that has struggled in this way. But I want to tell you that God knows, and he puts us in situations so that we can know more about him. And I come out of this thankful. You can turn to God as well, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you've ranted, what you've said, what you feel. You can turn to God, and he will be faithful to help you, and he will say things like this. You must depend upon me. I am with you. Everything is okay. Get back into the game. You're ready for this. God is faithful. Amen? So how am I doing after my kidney stones? God is good. All the time, God is good. And I am so thankful for the pep talk that he gave me in the darkest moments of my life. 